The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy Friday, everybody. End of the week. We made it. We made it. We're not doing the weekend thing anymore. So this is where we can take a deep breath. Breathe in. Breathe out. Made it to the end of another week. We got a little bit of a different a tweak on the norm here for this Friday show. We're not going to go through every ad drop, stream, whatever from this week. Because we will be, momentarily, graced with the presence of the big dog himself, our benevolent overlord at Hoopball, Aaron Bruski. And I came up with a new game to play with him, so you'll, you guys will hear that in just a couple of minutes. But uh, I want to dive right in to the uh, somewhat brief Thursday card that actually overall went extraordinarily well for uh, Dan Bespris old man squad type rosters. So uh, hopefully that means you guys actually had a really fun Thursday also. First of all, this is Fantasy NBA Today. Welcome to the program, everybody. Let's just dive straight in. Toronto beat Philadelphia 115-109. Sixers, still zombie Sixers, but did get Tobias Harris back. He was solid. Uh, he missed a bunch of shots, which is unfortunate, but overall, 19-7-7, a block and a three-pointer, made his free throws as his legs get back underneath him. Really, it's just nice to see that he didn't look completely overwhelmed and winded coming back from COVID. He played 37 minutes. I know the shot wasn't there, and you could say, Dan, maybe that was related, but the simple fact that he even lasts 37 minutes in an NBA game coming back from what Doc Rivers described as, like, kind of bad COVID is a good sign. So I get the feeling then, because Doc uh, was talking about Joel Embiid also having symptoms like Tobias Harris, I'm inclined to think that this was, like there, there's a gradation, there's a scale here that uh, maybe wasn't being fully enumerated. What I mean is, for Doc Rivers to say that Tobias Harris had it pretty bad or, or Joel Embiid has it pretty bad, I think he probably means like they're fevering and they feel pretty, you know, pretty poopy. I don't like to swear on this podcast. I still can't bring myself to do it. But not like deep shortness of breath, anvil on your chest kind of stuff. When we hear people in the in the general world say, oh, you know, they've got it pretty bad, like they're thinking about going to urgent care, that type of deal. So probably one click down from that if Tobias can get back in and he can play this pretty well right out of the shoot, Tobias's return pushes Danny Green and probably Firk and Korkmaz both off of the board. Korkmaz still had 9-5-5 five, and five with some three-pointers, but he only played 26 minutes off the bench, and you need him in there chuck-chuck-chucking away if he's going to hit value. Tyrese Maxey held value. Andre Drummond, obviously, with no Joel Embiid, he held value. Seth Curry's been fine the whole way through, so that is your Philly shakeup with Harris coming back. On the Toronto side, we had a Chris Boucher sighting. Now, it's very important to point out that this did indeed come with Pascal Siakam out for rest and Kem Birch still hurt. He's still on the sidelines. So there were two bodies out of the way for Boucher in this ballgame. And up to this point in the season, there had generally been only one body out of the way. For a while, it was Siakam. Uh, Siakam came back and Birch was out. There wasn't a ton of overlap there, but... It is worth pointing out that Boucher's minutes had been 
really stuck. Even when there was there was sort of an opening, like Scotty Barnes, remember, he was out along with Pascal Siakam, and they went a heavy dose of Svi Mikhailuk in those games. Now, in this one, and I know Svi, like, the fact that he was playing big man minutes in those was pretty goofy, but he was available here. They could have gone to more Precious Achua and more Svi Mikhailuk. Not that Achua didn't have plenty of minutes. He played 30. Man, is he an offensively inept center. That's crazy. But his hustle is nuts. They went, Nick Nurse, it's not they, it's a guy, it's Nick, went to Boucher for 24 minutes, and he had one of the better fantasy lines on the night with 17 and 6, a steal, two blocks, a three-pointer, good percentages in both. This is that brief, flittering glimpse of why... On this podcast and at Hoopball in general, we said, just hold on a little bit longer last week. Remember, I said, I'm going to give him two weeks last week, and then it was so bad last week that on Monday of this week, if you can follow my chronology here, I said, it's fine. You, If you need to move on, you can move on. I'm okay with it now. I still have him in a few spots because no one popped up this week that I thought was worth the move. Like, Frank Kaminsky's playing really well, but also... DeAndre Ayton's going to be back in the next week, probably. If it's a tiny bit more than that, so be it. I don't feel like the ROI there was worth it. I'm not dropping Chris Boucher for a streamer. If I'm dropping him, it was going to be for someone like, we'll talk about Nick Batum later in the show, someone where I feel like maybe there's some staying power. He has been dropped in a crap ton of places. Again, reasonably so, because he hasn't been very good. Like, he's been really, really bad, Boucher. So if you're in a league where he's been dropped, maybe you did the dropping. And I know a lot of analysts last week said, or even the week before, were like, no, just move on now. This game is that reminder of why you have to be so careful. Now, let's pull it back a little bit, because what are the odds that this actually sticks when Siakam comes back? And then when both Siakam and Birch are back, I think respectively, the odds are when Siakam's back, it's like maybe a 25% chance. And when both guys are back, it's like a 10% chance. So it's really low. I still don't think Chris Boucher is about to have significant fantasy value. But, but he's also the kind of player that if there's any kind of opening for him to step through, and he does it, we will all feel like complete idiots if we're not the team that picks him up. So what I would advise here is what I'm calling a pessimistic pickup. Yeah, I got a new name for it. It's a pessimistic pickup. Pick him up with the understanding that you're probably going to drop him in one game. Or less. He might not even play one game for your fantasy team. You probably stick him on your bench, and you see what things look like in the next timeout, unless we find out again that a bunch of centers are out, and then maybe you roll the dice on him. But it's this is the new and improved pessimistic pickup, because, yeah, we don't think there's more than about a 10% chance that this thing works, but damn it, if it works, he's got more upside than anybody else on the whole waiver wire. Hundreds, 250, 300 guys on your waiver wire, and Chris Boucher probably has the most upside of any of them. So, the pessimistic pickup. Pick him up. Don't drop anybody with full season appeal on your team, but I'm sure you've got a streamer floating around. Pick him up for the streamer, hold on to him for one game, and if it sucks, move back on 
but we don't want to be the guys that miss it if it works. Does that make sense? I hope so. If you have any questions about that, you can hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I know it's sort of a new thing that we don't do very much, and I don't, frankly, I don't recommend it very much because I don't like making moves just for the sake of making moves, but there's just too much in Boucher not to at least give him a one-day trial run after any big ball game he puts up. And and honestly, if he goes back to sucking again when everybody else returns, which I still think is probably going to be the case, we've watched enough games, Toronto games so far this year, if he does go back to stinking, then that probably gives a confirmation for the next time he has a bigger ball game. We can say, you know what, we saw this before, it was a blip, there were guys out, whatever. If you start to see success with guys back, that's a totally different ballpark. Indiana beat Utah 111-100, a number of ejections in this game. Miles Turner blocked Rudy Gobert, he grabbed his jersey, guys started beating each other up, and then post-game Donovan Mitchell was like, look, it wasn't about anything happening in this particular game, it's just that everybody's getting beaten up right now, nobody's calling any fouls, and players are getting annoyed. And then they're going to start taking it out on each other, because you can't take it out on the ref, or you're going to get suspended, which, I mean, they ended up getting ejected from the game anyway, but... What are your other targets but to vent your frustration on a fellow player? They got to start calling fouls. I mean, it's, it's, it's a little nuts. I, I get it. The NBA wants the games to move quicker, but no one's taking any foul shots right now. Nobody. Although the Raptors, the Raptors in Philly, man, they made the most of their foul shots yesterday. Those two teams made, what, 17 out of 17 and 18 out of 19, respectively? Wow. Anyway, back to Indiana. Uh, TJ McConnell, 21, 8, and 5. His motor is on. He has settled in, and he belongs on all fantasy rosters. And I know Karis LeVert is out. You can make the same argument there. What about when LeVert comes back? Yeah, his role will shrink. He's not going to play 31 bench minutes when LeVert comes back. Uh, But he's going to get plenty. And on top of everything, Indy's just a better team when TJ McConnell is doing his... TJ McConnell shtick, which he sort of didn't have rolling at the beginning of the season. He was out of sorts. His motor was weird. They were playing him more off ball, and you knew that wasn't going to work, right? But really, he's just, he woke up. It's taking a lot of players, 10, 13, 15 games to wake up this season. I hope you guys hung on there. Again, this is why we say, just wait. If you can see something doesn't add up mathematically, you wait. Not much else going on in that ball game. Miami, without Jimmy Butler, into L.A. again. Back-to-back L.A. games. Taking on the Clippers this time around. Kyle Lowry went huge in the fourth quarter. Bam Adebayo was very big early and then pretty good the rest of the way. Uh, Duncan Robinson missed a bunch of three-pointers that, frankly, could have won this game for the Heat. And he's... He's real bad this year. I, you know, this is like a, he got paid and now he's in his own head. And then Tyler Hero at 23 points again, although you're starting to see some of that other stuff. The things that, you know, this is the Jalen Brunson argument also, where Hero basically needs to average 21 points to maintain fantasy values. Right around top 90 and very slowly slipping because, heaven help him, he can play 38 minutes a game and he can barely get you one steal. It just doesn't happen. He's not in passing lanes. So try to sell if you can, because it's not, it's tenuous right now. The grip, the grip on fantasy value is tenuous. 
Reggie Jackson has kind of the same story on the other side. I like Reggie. Uh, but both of those guys are kind of in that same bucket. They need a crap ton of usage. And they're getting it to each of their credit. And I like Reggie probably more than Hero because of... I mean, mostly because he's such a great foul shooter. Reggie's up around 90% so far this year. And if those guys were shooting the same percentage from the field, Reggie would actually be in front of him by a little bit. They're, again, they're not that different. The, uh, the difference, I guess, right now is that Hero's in the, in the 90 range, so I think you could sell him. And with Reggie Jackson, he's at like 110, so you can't really sell him. Either way, they'll be fine. It's just that a cold spell hurts a lot for high-volume guys that don't do a lot besides scoring. And then the heaters, they can be a lot of fun, but, you know, lacking steals, lacking other things, defensive stats, it's a little tough. But I like Reggie, and Harrow's fine also. I, I, I shouldn't clobber the two of them. I just I, I want to try to point out where guys have trouble clearing that next bar. Uh, Nick Batum, only six points, but I don't care. I have the same feelings about Nick Batum scoring six points as I do when Jimmy cracked corn. Nick Batum, six points, uh, but look at all the other stuff in that line. Two threes, six boards, three assists, two steals, three blocks, two out of four shooting. 50% shooting. Nick Batum, ladies and gentlemen, number 34 in nine category leagues right now. He's ahead of Anthony Edwards, who's scoring 26 points a game. It's the magic of fantasy. You just never know where you're going to get your value from. Uh, He's been terrific. He played 37 minutes. The whole team was talking about what a difference he makes Every single time he's on the floor. With his smarts, his defense, his decision-making, his shot selection. Which is why I don't think his minutes are going anywhere. I know that Marcus Morris is out and doing strengthening his knee or whatever the hell's going on there. But to me, he's, his minutes are coming from Isaiah Hartenstein, Ivica Zubats, a couple maybe from Batum. But they can't take him off the floor. I'm not worried about that one. He's been amazing. Eric Bledsoe is heating back up. 21 points, three boards, three assists, three blocks, and a couple of three balls in yesterday's game. Uh, Bledsoe's still at number 134 on the year, partially because he's shooting 37%. The other stuff actually isn't that bad for him. If he could fix the field goal percent, that would actually work in his favor on three-pointers and scoring. And so you wipe out three... I don't wipe out, but you improve upon three categories at once... Does that push him inside the top 100? Yeah, it probably does. But he's also clearly running kind of hot and cold this year. If he He's a 14-teamer right now. And I, I'll just plant my flag in it on this November 12th show. He'll probably be a 12-teamer this year. But he'll be like the last guy on your bench kind of 12-teamer. So if you want to pick him up, you can pick him up. I mean, it's going to be a back and forth. You're going to get annoyed when he gets cold. You'll be excited when he's warm. This might be the start of a little heater. So, sure, you can start Eric Bledsoe for the next couple of games, see what happens. Maybe this is him kind of turning it on a little bit, but I don't expect him to take 16 shots most games and certainly don't expect him to shoot 56%. It's all going to come down to sort of that that wiggle and wobble, that wobbling towards 40-something percent from the field. How does he get there? Can we be there for the right moments on the way? And so on and so forth. And that's enough of Thursday. But again, that was a fun day. We had a lot of really good lines from our guys. Bam played, had a big line. Batum, Paul George, TJ McConnell, Freddie Van Vliet. I have a lot of Gary Trent's somehow. Just a lot of our guys. Tobias Harris. A lot of our guys played well yesterday. So that was cool. But enough about that. First of all, again, 
Thank you for listening, everyone. Appreciate you tuning in on this Friday or over the weekend, whenever you happen to be jamming to this podcast. I am, once again, Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. I'd love it if you guys hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Vespers. But if you don't want to do that, I would love it if you guys took just a few seconds to rate and review the pod. As I've said before, you guys keep writing nice things. I can't read the nice things on air because it just feels like I'm stroking myself. But uh, if somebody writes something funny, I'll make sure to pop that onto the show as well. Again, search for Fantasy NBA Today using the podcast app on your mobile device or iTunes on your computer. Click on the big show icon. Just got to click on the show title. If you're on an, a mobile app, scroll down to the bottom. If you're on your computer, there should be a little rate and review button. And you can roll from there. But that's enough about that. That's enough about that. Oh, by the way, thank you to Manscaped.com and my bookie for their continued support here on Fantasy NBA Today. Manscaped.com. Promo code is HoopBall20. Get 20% off and free shipping. Black Friday's coming up. Holiday's coming up. Perfect time to go get yourself some Manscaped gear. They're sending me some swag right now. Love it, man. What a great partner they are. And over at mybookie.ag, the promo code is just HoopBall. They had an odds boost yesterday that I didn't know about till kind of too late. It was on the uh, Thursday night football game for Lamar Jackson to throw for more passing yards than the opposing starting quarterback. And it took until the last seconds of the game. But it hit. And uh, we all made 25 bucks on that one. So that was cool also. I mean, you just you got to get in over at MyBookie. Just be there for the odds boost, if nothing else. And again, use promo code HoopBall to make sure that you get you unlock some various deposit bonuses if you so choose to use them. And you let them know HoopBall sent you to go take their stinking money. Let's talk to Brew. A Friday without the big dog is like a day without sunshine. And so, what do I hear off in the distance? Oh, That. Oh, there it is. That was the first one was like the are you out there kind of call, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, I'm a one-man wolf pack. (laughs) Well, last week we didn't get to do it because I uh, didn't have any help on Thursday when we record. Um, And then I went out of town on Friday, which was super weird. But this week we did it. You're uh, fresh off the training table. You've been stretched out. Your head's been snapped side to side. You had your jaw pulled open, right? Didn't you have your jaw yanked open? Ooh, yeah, yeah. That, so I'm literally, no joke, everybody. I have seven minutes, eight minutes ago, I was just on the training table. And um, the the trainer is this diminutive uh, thing. She's extremely mean to me. <laughs> That's what they do, man. Dude, and so when you hear about athletes on the training table, they, I think Buster Posey was on the training table for two hours a day or something. It was the story that came out. It's probably why he retired. Can and you I believe? Just, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I just cannot believe he retired. I I kind of get it. I think that people have made so much money that they're like, look, there's more to life than this. Yeah, I mean, and, logically it makes sense, but emotionally, I'm a Dodger fan. I still can't believe it. It means that I'm super old now. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. I could have told you that, Dan, uh, that you were super old. Uh, it hurts. It but, you know, society says that 40 is old. And you know what? It's not old people. That's good to hear because I'm... Me, me and Jay-Z, 40 is the new 30 or something. I don't know. I'm real close. Anyway, sorry, training table. But training table, no, I mean, like, so we're trying to get this back and neck and the compressed nerves figured out because I haven't sat at a table or I sat at a desk in like a normal working situation in like nine, 10 weeks. And so uh, we're just trying to stretch out, get all these compressed nerves all figured out. And the jaw 
has like these two really big muscles that go to your C1. And so she's just in there with gloves on and she's like ripping my jaw out on Tuesday. That's disgusting. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could see why you would think that. Yeah, you're you're a little gross. bit of a germaphobe over there. I'm a, I don't want anyone and, and, even touching me. Forget forget just the germ element. Yeah, you don't you're, like if we ever meet, we're not hugging, right? No, we definitely are. You're you're well within that bubble. Okay. Yeah. No question. I'm in about the bubble? That. Yeah, you're Aww. you're in the bubble, man. I'm. You know what's weird? I, I I know this isn't fantasy. Okay, wait. Let's do this because people are gonna Should yell at me. We talk fantasy so you don't get a one star review. Yeah, let's do fantasy for like five minutes, and then I want to come back to the hug thing because I'm I have a weird thing that doesn't make sense about me, which I think people will get a kick out of. But I know everybody are you a wants hugger? to. Hear. I actually am kind of a hugger, and I don't want anyone else to touch me for any reason at all. But I like hugs. They're so comforting, man. They're so comforting. My. My grandpa, oh, oh. my grandpa on my mom's side was a big hugger, and I feel like that passed through. But then for whatever reason, and there's no one else in my family that's like this, I don't want anyone to effing touch me. Do not I, I, touch I'm me. I'm not allowed to open my mouth at this point because I'm just going to take us off track, and I can't do it. <laughs> no, there's, that, is... there's that person out there that's going to give you a one-star review, and I just can't do it to you, Dan. No, thank you for that. Although I do love letting people into my my myriad idiosyncrasies, and that's one of them. Like, I don't want... I don't even want my wife to can touch just, my face, but I'll Can I just people. say that I'm watching an, um, Arrested Development for, like, the first time, more or less, and I just finished season one? Oh, it's can so just... good. Yeah, that's the best, man. I was actually just quoting... I don't even know if I should say this on a podcast, but the part where uh, Job, I don't remember what season that is, and someone's like, Job's doing another trick, and he says, no, Michael, that's an illusion. Tricks are things that whores do for money or, <laughs> or candy. <laughs> for some reason, that, that line tickles the crap out of well, me. Uh, I, I'm at the point where, um, uh, what's his name, paints himself blue. Ah, yes, he really blew himself. Tobias. He yeah, really blew he really himself. Blew himself. Um, okay, so I want to do something fun. I want to do something new with you today uh, because we've, we've during the run-up to the season, we obviously talked a ton about fantasy drafts, and then the, the first couple episodes in season, we were talking about kind of the, the, uh, the we talked about patience a little bit. We talked about um, the small sample size and just how to analyze early season data. But now we're starting to get into what feels a little bit more like the regular season, but it's not, it's still actually a very limited sample size when it comes right down to it. We're talking about nine, 10 games for most of these guys. So I want to play a game with you, Brew, that I haven't come up with a great name for yet. Uh, on yesterday's podcast, I think I called it um, Confirmation with Aaron Brewski, but that sounds extremely religious. So I, uh, after the fact, decided, no, that's probably not going to work. Basically, what I want to create here is if the listeners would just experience <laughs> definitely the opposite of that Sorry. whatever the opposite of that is on a podcast is what i want to do i want everybody to picture you at the top of a very tall mountain and you're sitting like in a religious situation <laughs> no it's more go on go on sorry i'm ruining your bit no no it's more um smoked leaf am i am i Using this right? Ooh, smoked leaf? Smoked leaf. Okay, yeah. you perked my attention up. So you are effectively now the 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 oracle. You're a company oracle. Um, mm. And you're at the top of a hill in a little uh, cabin or hut or whatever it might be. And you've got a big bowl of sage probably in front of you. This is very ancient Greek kind of thing. And uh, 
I'm probably messing that up. I probably got the wrong civilization. So apologies me, to me, the me, me and Ehrlich and uh, what's his name from uh, Raz Al Ghul. I'm, I'm putting you on oh, like Raz Al yeah. Ghul here. Okay, so, so okay, we're gonna do some peyote or something. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so what I'm gonna do now is I'm gonna come to you with things that I think I'm seeing over the first three and a half weeks of the season, and you're gonna tell me, Dan, I can confirm those for you, or Dan. Mm. You're an idiot, or whatever facsimile of that. Mm, I get to call you an idiot? Yeah. Wow. Whatever rolls right. off the tongue. Whatever you feeling, whatever inspires you in the moment. So okay. you are no longer the big dog. For this bit, you are not the big dog. You are You are the oracle. You are the sage-puffing oracle of ball. This sounds better by the minute. Can we get business cards printed up? Let's go. Yes, Aaron Bruski, sage-huffing hoopball oracle. That's going to be your business card. He can be reached. There's not going to be a phone number or an email address on the business card. It's just going to be direction of the mountain. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be it's going to be coordinates and how if much. You, if you would like fantasy advice, you're going to have to climb the damn mountain. <laughs> you got to climb the mountain. Okay, I think everybody's with me now on the bit anymore. Is anybody yeah, with me okay. on the bit? Are you with me on the? I think you're with me. I, on I think the bit. I'm with you. I don't know if anybody else is, but whatever. I live to entertain the two of us, and that's sort of as far as we go here. Okay. Um, here's something I've seen so far, Brew. Is this something that's real? Is this something that's temporary? Uh, is this something I need to concern myself with? And this is the big one. I'll start with the really obvious. Brew, no one seems to be able to shoot the basketball. Is this a, is this a real thing? Like, go forward, or just is it a real thing right now? Both, actually. Yeah, it is a real thing right now. You have two major forces at play. You've got referees that pulled it back in, and then they simultaneously aren't calling any of the hand-checking or the bodying on the perimeter. So, like, Damian Lillard's complaints are absolutely correct. He's not whining. Um, so you got that those two things right there. And then you also have – well, let me throw a little one in there. You got a little bit of COVID. We got a little bit of that whole COVID season, the lack of the off season, the the kind of the, the what you might call it, the um, fatigue of the last two years, really, you know, and more if you really want to get down to it. Um, and then you have the new ball, and the new ball is absolutely a thing. Like, and and I I know that when we had a different ball, you know, if it was like too little, too smooth or slippery, like it really screwed people up. So. I think all of that's happening, and I think you're going to see a massive rebound in all of this come back. Here's know, the hard question. When do you think that starts to creep in? Have we already begun to see a little bit of it? Yeah, I, I talked about it on my pod, the the very premium pod. Um, the regression to the regression to the regression. I mean, this stuff happens all year long, but like what you'll see is like teams that everybody didn't care about, like the Cavs of the world. You know, people are going to get tired of those guys winning, so they're going to play a little bit harder against those teams. And then in the fantasy sense, you're going to see these guys that have been struggling shooting, the ones that are lifetime 38% three-point shooters like Damian Lillard. You know, he's going to eventually shoot 38% or whatever his number ends up being. But So you get this regression to the first 10 to 15 games that occurs. And then it all kind of just sort of pendulums out you know or, or metronomes whatever metaphor you want to use there like tick tock tick tock like these guys go back and forth and back and forth and then it's up to you at that point to be able to measure is this the end of the pendulum is it coming back this way or is it you know doing what what is it exactly doing right now but yeah i think you're getting you're not going to see these shooting numbers 
all year long and, and, and they will correct. And I think the refs more than anything, the refs will correct. They're going to get some, some attention on them if they don't because um, star players are, you know, the, the, the guards especially are absolutely correct in that they're getting manhandled on the perimeter and it doesn't really make a ton of sense with the way the game's being officiated. If you're going to allow that, if you're going to do it all year, if that's going to be the future of the league, go for it. But it's not really the future of the league. Like you can't have that kind of draped all over the guard um, defensive uh, ability. If you do, it's going to be back to the 90, you know, to 101 type finishes. But there was a stretch. I, I, cause I'm shadow capping. I'm not capping right now. Cause we got a lot of stuff going on, but like, I want to say there was like 12 straight outcomes that went under 15 straight outcomes that went under maybe like, 17 out of 20 outcomes that went under in, in this last week uh, for a stretch. Yep. All because of what you're talking about. Is it, so do you think it's just, it's almost like a trickling effect where one thing has sort of is begetting another thing where you're not calling one foul. And then, so then, then they're not calling the next one. And then our, are guards getting in their own head or is it, or, or does that then come down on the jump shooting side? Is it the, is it the ball more so? I, I guess I, I'm just trying to figure I think out it's tempo and rhythm. Okay. Like I, I do this with the Kings all the time is like talk about, <laughs> I'm, tempo so, and rhythm. I'm sorry to like, hear that. <laughs> that I talk about the Kings. <laughs> no, that you, that you have to watch them all the time. I know it's really a sickness and, and I'm weaning myself off of the drug known as the Kings. Um, There's a shot for that. I think. But that's, yeah, can I get that please? Yeah. And uh, God, it, you, but why'd you even bring that up? Why'd you, why'd you do that? Anyway, um, <laughs> they like, they struggle with tempo and it's funny cause they're like, you know, the, the, the locals are like, why can't we make a bucket? And it's like, well, you had no tempo. And, and it's just a clock that's in every player's head. And you see a play that's sort of perfectly constructed. And it's a everyday play that everybody sees, like a hammer play to the corner three. And you're like, you know, tick tock, tick tock, ball in hand, pass comes in right on time, right on the letters, you know, in rhythm, jump shot goes in 75% of the time, you know, from that corner three. And when, when the guard gets bodied off of their normal tempo, then everything's a half second off. And it really is to me, it's, it's just that, you know, the ball itself is definitely, it's going to affect guys differently. Um, you know, streaky players that, that get in their head are going to take that new ball. And if they do really well with it, they're going to love the new ball. If they don't do well with it, they're going to hate the new ball. Hmm. They'll zigzag around a lot. Um, you know, the ones that aren't as streaky might not be as impacted by it as much, but I just think it's the tempo and especially in a league that's very pick and roll driven, very drive and kick driven. You take away that or you, you give the defender the ability to bump somebody off their line and it just gives everybody else that half beat to be able to recover. I mean, if you if you are playing the backside, you're the, you're, you're the, the low man and you know that you can come across the lane and recover to the three-point shooter because instead of them getting the ball out, you know, a half second earlier, you get that half second. Well, now you can cover both angles. And that's, to me, what's going on. All right, Sage, as I light the next bowl of hash- have hashish on fire. Light it up. 
Is this going I like to be the way this show turned? Yeah, I listen. You're going to end this show, and you're going to have trouble stumbling down the mountain. Is is this going to be the year of the steel brew? Mm. Well, that's a maybe. Uh. See, I got See, I had a couple good ones in the tank for you. Right now, there are ten everyday players averaging two steals or more on the, per game on the season, with the league currently being led by. Uh, the GOAT himself, the bald eagle, Alex Caruso, at 2.6 steals per game. The list, by the way, right now is Caruso, Gary Trent Jr., Paul George, Matisse Thibel, who has COVID, LeBron, who has an abdominal injury, Marcus Smart, DeJounte Murray, Chris Paul, Jimmy Butler, and uh, Chris Middleton. I'm excluding Sekou Dumbuya and Dylan Brooks because they've each played only one game. Eric Bledsoe would be the next man on the list. He's at 1.9. There are some familiar names on that board. Paul George... High steals guy, Marcus Smart, Murray, Chris Paul, Jimmy Butler. Those are guys that have done high steal stuff before. Are we going to see this many guys over two steals, or is this a small sample size illusion? Yeah, I'm going to go with the latter. Um, I haven't done any. I literally was like, well, let's just look at turnovers and let's see how they're doing. Um, I don't think you're going to see that many guys at those numbers at the end of the year. I'm going to just say illusion because I think the offense eventually wins out. It does feel like a lot of the things, a lot of the questions even right now are based on this weird offense versus defense thing that's going on in the NBA currently. Uh, all right. That was, that was an easy one. We'll go illusion. We'll roll with it. Uh, here's, a, here's a tougher one. This one's a little bit more strategic and maybe isn't the perfect question for am I seeing something real or not? This is more about how to how to establish what a player's going to be when they're an obvious buy low or a sell high candidate. Um, I don't know the right way to format this question. This is just me coming to you as someone who's uh, done... I've, I've done fantasy for like 15 years and you've done it longer than that. So that, that's the important part here. Um, I'm going to take someone like a Harrison Barnes or even a Miles Bridges because they've actually kind of been in lockstep so far this year. Currently ranked 18 and 19 in nine category formats on a per game basis after like a week ago, they were, I think, six and nine or six and 10 or something like that. So they're moving down the board. It hasn't been that fast. You know, it's a couple of like top 40 type performances, a top 60 type performance, these little kind of okay games that you just slip in, in between the superstar type performance games that the guys in the first round have to pretty much do every single night or they'd fall out of the first round. What do you, how do you handicap for that? How do you figure, because uh, something, I'll, I'll just go to Miles Bridges actually because picking one guy is simpler. On the podcast, I said something like, you know, he's at number eight right now. Even if he has a couple of medium games, he probably stays inside the top 12, top 15 because it's hard to move quickly when there is that big gap between players up there. But, like, the whole world knew he was a sell high. How do you figure out, Brew, what you target coming back in a situation like that? That's a question I get a lot. Like, what can I get for this guy who's playing out of his mind, but is, but no one's going to believe that he is whatever this small sample size says he is? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, what what the answer to the question is, is like you've looked at this stuff so long that you kind of have a gut instinct about what a shifting number might do 
to a rank. And if we're going to look at ranks as sort of an easy way to describe what the value will be, knowing that a lot of you guys have more value in certain categories than others. So not only do you have the axis of like, what would the total stat profile do? You also have the axis of what would it do for you? And then how does that impact winning? That's why I love fantasy so much is it's, it's, there's so much going on, you know, it's, it's, it really mimics the game itself in, in the sense that there are just multiple things you have to be looking at to determine if somebody's impacting winning. Um, I said in the pod that I thought the over under for him was like 30 to 40 right now to finish the year on a per game. I, I also had a theory. I don't know if I dropped this in the pot or not with, with him in particular, he is so strong. Like there are very few players that are as strong as he is. And he's bringing a, a first step as well as leaping ability to the, to the table and then the shooting. And that's why it's all come together in this spectacular, like doubling of his numbers in, in an almost, I mean, not all categories. It's not a double in all categories, but like, the increases are so dramatic. It reminds me of Brandon Ingram from a couple of, was it last year? Maybe the year before. I yeah, don't know. A couple I forget back. things. Um, you, you have to ask, did something click on the shooting side? That's always a key question. Um, you know, he's at 50% last year from the field, but on way less attempts per game, nine attempts per game. He's doubled that. And now, finally, the field goal percentage has kind of come back to where it's been historically, um, 44%. And free throw-wise, we're seeing kind of like what it used to be. So, like, I think kind of shooting-wise, maybe it's not a big jump. That, that, that Those numbers are only low because of recent games, too, by the way. He was kind of checking all of the boxes. Um, I think he's been getting away with a lot of physical contact because of the way the game's been refereed. And so he's he's really just put it all together in this dynamic package. And then the question just becomes like, okay, can he shoot these numbers? Yeah, he can shoot these numbers. Is he really going to get 1.7 steals per game the rest of the way? That would represent a doubling. Yeah, I would guess no on that one. That feels... This comes back to the previous thing we were talking about with defense, and I was trying to look up turnovers, but the ESPN website wouldn't sort by turnovers, so shout out to ESPN (laughs) for all the great things that you do. You have a bazillion dollars, you can't sort by turnovers. Come on now. Um, But, like, so those numbers are up. And and then I do think that there's something to be said for that team and how they play and how many athletic players they have that will help create more steals. So that maybe it's not, this is just a total outlier. You know, maybe he could get 1.3, 1.2 steals per game, 1.1, and make it work, which would represent almost a doubling, you know, of his steals. Um so but then, then what do you there, target though? Is that's okay. So let's yeah, say 30 to 40 was what I said before. Okay. Um, but so how do you do this on, on more of a, I'm sorry, I, I pinged my microphone there on more of a, a, a broad sense, even if it wasn't just a guy like a miles bridges, is it sometimes more useful to just ride something out in a situation like this? Do you think 
someone would give you back 30 to 40 or 30 to 50 range guy i like now keep in mind if i'm telling you that like the the over under is 30 to 40 and you're gonna target a 30 to 40 well you just didn't gain anything there you could maybe say that you gained something in the sense that like he's at 10 now or whatever and to get to 30 he's gonna have to be at like 40 or 45 the rest of the year to to level out and finish at 30 or 40 Hmm. So there could be your your little value under the curve. Um, but to, to answer your question, no, you would ride it at that point. I just, the, what I'm always looking for is like, who can you get that's, say they're 30 now or 40 now, but that's not the number. You know, they're, they're going to be 20 or 25. Can you get the two ships passing in the night, jump off one ship, land on the other and get all the gains? Mm. Yeah, that sounds almost impossible. That's hard. It's hard with these big names. It was the James Harden situation from before. Like, you had to know that he was coming back. The Mark Mark Stein article almost nailed it, um, or or guaranteed that he would have a big game right after that. But um, like, who are you gonna get? You know, who are you gonna give to get Harden? And, and the list of players wasn't good. I think we went through that list three weeks ago. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was gonna take. A ton. And you also just got to look at situation like Harrison Barnes, for example, like nothing about what he was doing when we see it in action. Nothing said that can't. I mean, his shooting percentages were a little bit wild. I don't have them in front of me right now. But like in terms of what did the team need out of him? He was giving them what they needed. And it didn't seem to be outside of his profile to be able to provide that going forward. Um, interestingly, he got to the line a lot so far to start the year. Yeah. Seven times per game right now. And and there's not, there's a lesson here that I think we're just sort of uncovering as we go. He's another guy who's built and his chief move is to try to get you going left to right and hit you with a Euro step, but also create the contact, which is exactly what miles bridges is doing right now to great effect is like creating the contact and then being able to finish afterwards and because they're so physical, I don't have um, Miles' number on the from the foul line in front of me, but like almost five. Is, He's yeah, just Barnes. under five. And those are big numbers now, right? I mean, I, I don't have the list of league leaders in front of me on um, free throws, but those numbers are down across the board. Yeah, Miles Bridges is like number 27 in the league in free throws attempted, which is uh, a pretty damn high number when you think about some of the guys in front of him. Giannis... Easily, he's running away with it right now. MB, Jimmy Butler, DeMar DeRozan, Rudy Gobert, Harrison Barnes, number six in the whole NBA, and free throws attempted ahead of Adebayo, ahead of Kevin Durant, Montrez Harrell. There's a theme here, by the way. We finally get to our first real guard at number 10, and that's John Morant, but it's a lot of forwards and centers shooting free throws this year. Yeah, that's exactly right, and I think that this is the complaint from Damian Lillard. It's being officiated a different way in the trenches versus out on the perimeter. And these guys that are bigger, bulkier, I mean, DeMar DeRozan, Jimmy Butler as kind of guards, like they're the ones in there banging, initiating contact and getting those, you're forcing the ref to make a call when you go in that hard. And, and, and with Harrison Barnes, it's funny. It almost feels like he could be doing more for the Kings. And yet he's still, 
doing so well in fantasy leagues. So like as somebody that watches almost every Kings game, like I would be saying, look, this is not fiction from Harrison Barnes. Mm, I see you've brought it back to the Oracle. I like it. Yeah. I mean, like we could probably nitpick at some things, huh? But you know, he needs to play a ton of minutes for them. Nothing about his usage to me, like says like, Oh, that's way too crazy. I mean, in Dallas, he used to be a 25 usage guy. You know, he, he, he's what, 21 in, in Sacramento? They're right now dealing with the De'Aaron Fox is trying to do too much issue. So if anything, you could shift the usage from Fox to, to Barnes and, and make an argument that would be better for the team. Um, steals is fine. Blocks is fine. You know, boards are maybe a little up, but, you know, he's playing four. So, so what you're saying is, Dan, the fact that you got him in 30 deep at like pick 130, that was a really good move. Yeah, Dan, I hate you. <laughs> My team's pretty good in 30 deep this year. Um, okay, Oracle Brew, we'll get a new bowl of whatever plant you want ready for next Friday. How, did that work okay? I thought that was an okay bit. I, I think this show is great. Like, <laughs> yeah, we leave we leave brew I high as a kite. The way to my heart. That's right. Brew's high as a kite, and everybody's got the answers they need. What could go wrong? The great Aaron Brewski descending the mountain. I'll get you your wheelbarrow, and you can just roll down the hill. Thank you, big dog. Arf, arf. The lovely Aaron Brewski, ladies and gentlemen, covering up his bowl of uh, oracle dust <laughs> and, and climbing down the mountain. We'll try to do stuff like that with Aaron weekly that's the goal here this season kind of get back to some of you probably remember when when brew and i had uh youtube shows every friday but that was before i had two kids and before he had one so that has uh, thrown a little bit of a wrench into that plan but we're getting him on the pod as often as humanly possible we'll have some of these shows where we do a little confirmation stuff with him find out what we're seeing if it's real if it's not we'll probably have some shows where we go over the biggest stories from the week just unfurled and hopefully you guys will enjoy Uh, we'll talk about weekend games on social media. Again, you can find me over there at Dan Bespris. Also, if you'd like to hit me up, uh, we are still looking for a permanent full-time host of our Today in Sports Betting Hoopball Gambling Podcast with a big built-in audience and an opportunity for monetization. Yeah, I'm throwing it out there. I'm dangling the carrot, damn it. So hit me up. You got to know betting, theory, you got to know sports, and you got to be able to interview you're going to talk to a lot of handicappers on that thing. If you're interested, hit me up at Dan Bespers. If not, just follow me over there. We'll keep talking fantasy sports on the socials. Have a lovely weekend, everybody. I am Dan Bespers for Fantasy NBA Today. We'll talk to you Monday. Reverse chronological lightning round in just a couple of days from now. Toodaloo. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.